Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. I like to think that I'm a pretty determined fellow. Okay, There are times in my life where I show incredible determination. I, am, I will not be defeated. I'm determined. I'll say that phrase a lot in coaching that we must be determined, not defeated. Now, in my life, uh, anytime there is a fly in my house, I am determined I will not be defeated by this fly. I am going to kill the fly. I cannot stand flies. I hate them in my house. Uh, there has been some moment in my life laying there in bed and then having that buzzing around your head. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I don't want any maggots in my ear. I don't want them in my house. Don't have any inclination to allow a fly to live in my house. Sorry, PETA or whoever's offended by that statement, but I will track them down, Liam Nielsen style, and I will kill them. And so I don't do anything else when it comes to knowing there's a fly. I just track them down. I I set traps. They love sunlight. I pull the blinds. I have a couple places in the house. I know they're going. I don't use the electric things. That's too nice. I swat the fire and guts out of them, okay? That's what I'm going for anytime it flies in my house. Now, we have a dog backyard is its bathroom and so I think we attract a lot of flies during the the summertime and anytime that back door is open boy there's so I just so there are times like we need to leave the house and I'm like Kim I'm not leaving the house I'm determined to find this fly and kill it before we leave it's not going to set up a home in my house this is my house and I will protect it you know so I get really determined when it comes that it's sad I know but I I don't give up I'm like I'm going to kill that fly now there's other things in my life I'm not as determined in like i've had a new year resolution hey eat healthier (laughs) you know i don't think i've touched a vegetable in a couple months so i'm not extremely determined when it comes to certain things you think well that would maybe be higher on the priority list john uh uh, that you should put up there and be more determined about but i kind of pick and choose when i want to be determined right now the same thing spiritually there are some things in my life that Spiritually speaking, my relationship with the Lord, some aspect that I'm pretty determined about. And I protect and, and I hold with great value, whether it's like Sunday morning or, or a, a time with the Lord, whatever that may be. I, I'm determined and disciplined in my life to make it happen. Then there's some other aspects of my life to be transparent and honest with you that I'm not as determined about. I might be a little bit more apathetic. I might be a little bit more lenient. Uh, I might just kind of let it slide because I have not put it high up on my priority list. And I'm willing to bet that uh, enough of us in this room that we do the same thing too. That there are times in your life where you're determined and sometimes in your life you're a little bit more apathetic. I think as we talked about the Holy Spirit, that this is a great example for us because I think a lot of us would say, man, I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're just saying about the presence uh, of being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit here. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be overcome. We want to be aware of His presence. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty of praying and seeking the Father on behalf of the Holy Spirit or asking the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us up, we get a little bit more apathetic and less determined. I think there are probably times in this series we think, man, I really want to be spirit-filled even though I feel spirit-less. But we don't get determined enough to seek the Lord, to seek the Spirit, to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. And there might even be some good things happening in your life right now, but you know deep down that there is still something missing. 
that you know that maybe there's a, a fullness that you have yet to experience. Pastor or author A.W. Tozer, he once said this. I want to throw it on the screen. I thought it was an interesting quote. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we, would do, what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Now, he's not talking about the building, what happens in the building. He's talking about in the life of every believer. Okay, it's not just what happens here, but every believer, we're operating as though we don't need the Holy Spirit. And 95% of what we do doesn't even depend upon the Spirit of God. We're just moving forward on our own power and our own strength. We're not spending enough time on our knees begging the Father to send the Spirit into our lives. Now, the good news today is that God wants to give you even more of the Spirit than you want the Spirit. He's more determined to give you the Spirit than even you want the Spirit. He wants to anoint your might and your mind and use them in supernatural ways. God longs for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. Every believer, that is true. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus speaks of the Father's willingness to pour out the Spirit in the most promising of ways. In fact, when I read this scripture, I almost feel like, man, i got to be misinterpreting. There must be some sort of allegory here that, that is deeper than what it seems like to the naked eye. There must be something deeper than it being so straightforward. But here it is, plain and simple, Luke chapter 11. Let's start in verse 11. Luke 11, 11. If you don't have a Bible, you'll see it on the screen. You can follow along that way. If you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, open up an app. Find Luke 11, 11 real quickly. Um, we'll be in Luke 11 quite a bit this morning. But this is what it says. You fathers, Jesus is speaking, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hey, do you know any parent that would say to their kid when the kid comes and say, can I have a fruit snack, daddy? They're like, all right, close your eyes, hold out your hand. Scorpion, okay. The only dad I ever have known to do that is my own father. But I can't imagine any father doing that. I did hear about recently a dad, uh, a kid went to school. I, I didn't read. I should have read the story. I just saw the headline. But there was cocaine in the kid's lunchbox or whatever. It's like, that's pretty close to this passage. But most parents, right, typically are going to say, hey, you're my kid. I'm going to do something good for you. And Jesus is saying, even though we live in a jacked up, fallen world, and at our core, outside of Christ, we're sinful people. We're not perfect. We know to give good gifts and even desire and long to give good stuff to our kids. How much more then is the eternally good, perfect Father freely wanting to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask? And that's what's interesting. He compares the good gift you know, when a kid wants something good, whether that's the egg, whether that's the fish, he says, our good gift is when we ask for the Holy Spirit, which means for us, the power of the Holy Spirit is what we, his children, most need. 
and the Father is glad to give him. And he is eternally good. He's eternally perfect. And he longs, if we ask, to give us the Holy Spirit. That's what would be good for us. And that's as Jesus is saying, listen, our compassion as earthly people can't even compare in the slightest to his compassion. And as a loving father, he wants to pour out the Holy Spirit. He wants the, the Holy Spirit to overflow in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to have the fullness of the Spirit of God. He, he longs for that as a good father. So how does this happen? How do we get filled with the Spirit? There's the indwelling Spirit for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. But how do we be filled with the Spirit? Jesus answers this question quite simply with one word. You want to be filled with the Spirit? He says, ask. One three-letter small word, ask. You might say, well, I've done that. And I still feel empty. I don't feel full. But did you really ask? See, Jesus shows us what asking looks like. Earlier in chapter 11, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, notice, Jesus, you're doing some pretty amazing things. There's a power that is present in the person of Jesus. And so they are curious to this power, and they realize he prays, he withdraws, he goes off, he prays to the Father. And so they go up and straight up ask him, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, we don't see them coming up to Jesus and say, Jesus, pretty cool about walking on water. Can you teach us that? We don't have that recorded anywhere in Scripture. We don't have them coming up to Jesus and say, hey, that water to wine thing, pretty prestigious. Seems pretty nice, Jesus. Can you teach me that one? Linda, I know you would have gone up. That would have been your question, Linda, wouldn't it? No, I'm just kidding. So they come up and say, teach us to pray. Jesus gives them this example prayer. That's the Lord's Prayer. Most of you know that. If not, read the first few uh, verses of Luke 11. But he continues to teach on it. And, and I think we stop often with the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's how he taught them to pray. That was the example prayer. That was the model prayer. I want to keep going, though. Look at verse 5. Then teaching them more about prayer. So Jesus is continuing with this theme. They've, ta- they've asked, how do you pray? He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. And I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. Because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus is couching this under how to pray. He's been Asked, how do we pray? What does that look like? Jesus tells them the story of a man who has an unexpected visitor. And as a good host, he wants to feed him. But he doesn't have enough food, so he goes to a friend and asks for some food to feed his visitor. But this friend is already in bed, which is what normal people do at midnight. Be in bed. Especially in a day when when, uh, the sun's out, that's when you work and you bust your tail. When the sun's up, 
uh, or the son's gone away for the night, you go away for the night. You go into the house. And so this was sleeping time. And so this was a pretty inconvenient ask. Sometimes it, it seems like it's always inconvenient when somebody wants something. Well, this is an inconvenient time. Along with the fact that in this day and age, this house probably had one main sleeping area. And the family would all be together. And so for him to get up was going to wake up the whole house. And then, on top of that, he wanted three loaves of bread. You might think that's nothing today. That would have fed a very large family for a longer amount of time. And this guy only had one guest. This is an excessive request at an inopportune time. It's very inconvenient it seems excessive, but yet he's knocking and asking, would you please give me this? And despite all of those problems with this request, Jesus said in verse 8, I tell you this, he won't do it for friendship's sake, but if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Isn't that kind of funny? It's like, he's not going to get it because he's a good person, but because you're annoying. Because you nagging. That guy's going to get up, not because you've got this virtuous need, but because you're a pest. He's going to answer this request. I'm, I'm confident that, that this guy making this request is an, a lost uncle because my kids, they, they nag until they get what they want. Can I have daddy, 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 please, 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 please. No, please, 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 please. No, please, please. Here you go. That's my bad, right? But I find it interesting that his nagging, this request, it wasn't even for himself, right? It was for someone else's need. It was on behalf of another person. He's interceding for someone else. But this answer wasn't given because it was for someone else. It was just flat out because he was persistent. And so Jesus goes on and says, here's the moral of the story. Ask, seek, and knock. And when you do that, you'll receive you'll find, and the door will be open unto you. Now, the ask, seek, and knock in the Greek is in the imperfect tense, which means that it is to be done repeatedly. These words, ask, seek, and knock, are not a one-off. They are written in a way that we keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's not enough to ask once. What Jesus is indicating is that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will come when we persist in our asking, seeking, knocking. It's like the stinking neighborhood kids on my street. When they want my kids and they know we're home, boy, they just knock on our door and will not stop. Doorbell, doorbell, knock, 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 doorbell, doorbell. Go away! I try to pretend I'm not there, but they keep knocking. What I got to do? I go to the door. Kudos to the kid for being persistent. And that's what Jesus tells us. Why? Why do we need to be persistent? Why, why isn't it just ask once and we're done? Seek once and we're done. Knock one time, baby, you done. Wouldn't that be better? I tell you, I wish sometimes that would be it. But I'll give you the best scholarly answer why we have to keep asking. <laughs> I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. Why we have to keep asking, I really don't. But that's what it, Jesus is teaching. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he's a pastor, author, he once said this, if at first you don't seem to get the fruit from this tree, shake it by prayer. Oh, you say, I have been praying. Yes, 
but a tree does not always drop its fruit at the first shake you give it. Shake it again. Man, give it another shake. And sometimes when the tree is loaded and is pretty firm in the earth, you have to shake it to and fro, and at last you plant your feet and get a hold of it and shake it with might and main till you strain every muscle and sinew to get the fruit down. Shake it. And I'm willing to bet if it wasn't a spiritual tree of the Holy Spirit or a request that we would bring to God, but yet it was full of a hundred grand, we'd be shaking that tree. If you were told, you're going to get all that coin, all that cash, all that money, if you just shake that tree until it all falls out. And it might be a while, but if you shake it, you're going to get it. I'd be first in line. Shake, shake, shake. Me and Taylor, we'd be shaking it off. Okay, lame joke, I get it. But Spurgeon's right. Sometimes to, re sometimes to receive the fullness of God, you have to be determined to keep shaking. God gives some things only when we persist in asking. I guess he wants to see if we mean business, if we really believe, if we're really serious. And so we ask, and then we ask again, and then we ask again, and we ask again. Now, it'd be easy just to throw this teaching away and say, well, it's just one of those parables Jesus said once, and, and so there, there's, it's got to mean something else. We just don't fully understand it. But Jesus says something very similar in Luke 18. So if you're at Luke 11, go to Luke 18. Jesus gives us another story. Uh, another story about persistence, about prayer. In Luke 18, verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Seems to be a theme. Here's the story, verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. This isn't a righteous judge. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly. Everyone say repeatedly. Saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Now the, the, the Greek word here is... is a, a picture of being hit until you're weak. Basically like a boxing match. Her persistence has weakened him. He's like, it's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice. I'm weary of this. I've been beaten up by this. I'm going to get her justice. Because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. This is just a story Jesus is telling to prove a point. Verse 7. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Jesus is saying, even an unrighteous judge will answer because of persistent asking. So our righteous, compassionate judge, he will if we come persistently. So maybe, just maybe, you aren't experiencing more of God's power because you aren't that persistent in your praying. I mean, we could make it we or we could make it you. Maybe we're not experiencing more of God's power because we aren't that persistent in our praying. You, you, you're like me. I long for it. But are you determined for it? There's a difference between wanting it and going after it. 
You hear me? There's a big difference. You can want it all day long, but if you're not seeking it, it's not going to happen. See, one of the great things about Acts, and it's an awesome book, and there's many great things, but it's very descriptive of how our lives should look as believers. And it's not, some people say, well, the Holy Spirit, it's just not active today like then. Bull. Holy Spirit is just as active. I go to foreign countries and, and see the Holy Spirit. I go here, by the way. We like to say, well, go to the foreign countries and see the Lord. He's moving here too. We just don't put ourselves in the right place. But as we read the book of Acts, what we see is a group of people that are persistent in praying for the Spirit. Even at the beginning of the book, Jesus has ascended to heaven. The followers of Christ are in Jerusalem. They're in the upper room. They're waiting 10 days for this promise. But while they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, we see what they did. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Can you imagine that? Who would have thunk it? For 10 days, they're constantly united in prayer. And you know what? 10 days, they pray. And on that 10th day, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. The prayer is answered. And then out of that filling of the Holy Spirit, which is a brand new thing, but through the empowerment of the Spirit of God, Peter preaches the gospel because all these people are come over to see the commotion. We've, we've talked about this in our series, Acts chapter 2. And Peter delivers the gospel and about 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Now, there is more than a good chance why we aren't seeing the Spirit move in our personal lives and in the life of the church because we've got our timing wrong. For every 10 times we share the gospel, we've prayed once instead of praying for 10 straight days to every time we share the gospel. They prayed for 10 days before that message was delivered. We just go share maybe without ever considering to pray and ask the Lord to move and to guide and to bless and to use us and for his empowerment and the fullness of the spirit. We go on like we don't need him. We can do this on our own because that's the American way. The prayers in Acts that we see aren't our typical prayers. A lot of us, we're not even praying for us to have an opportunity to share the gospel. We're not praying for the spirit to come. We could call our prayers organ recitals. Say organ recitals, what does that mean? Well, we seem to always pray for Aunt Betsy's spleen and Uncle Gordon's kidneys. We just pray for a bunch of organs. (laughs) We're just listing them out, right? In Acts, we rarely even see them praying for safety. Typically, their prayers are for boldness and, and to be a witness through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in Acts 4.29. And now, here's one of their prayers. Oh, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. They were just threatened with their lives. Don't ever talk about Jesus again. They say, God, I know you've heard these threats, but give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus After this prayer, the meeting place shook. This ain't make-believe, folks. After this prayer, begging God for boldness, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Their prayer wasn't keep us safe. 
from these threats. Their prayer was, give us boldness. And God answered this prayer so dramatically that the earth shook. And after that, the threats of their enemies no longer shook them. The Father answered their prayer, gave them a spirit of boldness. But don't miss the order. It is of extreme importance. They prayed, the Spirit shook them, then they shook the world. But it started with prayer. The Spirit filling them and them living empowered by the Spirit of God. And so we don't miss the point today. I want to give you one more passage of how the early believers lived this out. Go to Acts chapter 12. Peter has just been arrested by King Herod of Agrippa because of his preaching and talking about Jesus. In Acts 12, 4, this is what happens to Peter. Then uh, this king, he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. This is a pretty serious scenario. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side. Can you see the angel just kicking him? Hey, wake up! And said, quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed. Put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. He was like, whoa, this is really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, where many were gathered for what? He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. What's going on? Verse 16, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Hmm. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Now, why were they together that night? They were praying. They had gathered together to pray. The scripture says they were earnestly praying for Peter's release. Now, earnestly praying indicates to us they didn't just throw up a prayer and then turn on the TV and leave it up to God. They didn't gather together, pray for a minute, and then all get on their phones for social media time. You think that's what they did? No, they kept knocking on heaven's door like Peter did on that real door, and God answered their prayer. And I know there's some skeptics in the room I like to mention you because I can be a skeptic. I can relate. I'm kind of wired that way. And I know you're thinking about, what about these unanswered prayers and the things that I prayed and prayed and it didn't play out how I wanted? Listen, ultimately, we want God's will to be done. And so we need to seek 
and understand what heaven wants through the word of God and the spirit of God and ask for those things in faith and continue to ask, seek, and knock. And then the combination of his will and our faith will produce a new reality on earth. I truly believe that. But if you don't believe that the Lord can do anything, and you believe that there are some things that are impossible for him, and you don't trust him enough to believe that he is the miracle worker, you're not going to see him work. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is Matthew 13, 58. And so he, as Jesus, did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. That's a sad verse. Basically saying Jesus only did a few miracles there. He only did a few because there was too much unbelief. He was in his own hometown and people had a hard time believing Jesus was the son of God. You're the carpenter's son. We've seen you around here. We don't really believe that you can do this. And because of their unbelief, the supernatural power of God was squelched. Not that he couldn't, but because they did not have faith for that. And because of their lack of faith, the supernatural was hindered. I don't want that verse to be said that about our faith family, about everyday church, our community. I don't want it to be said, you know, the, the Lord really wanted to do a whole lot more in and through everyday church, but they just didn't believe. One day when you hate to get to heaven and, and God said, man, you had a really strong sense of community and that was awesome. You guys loved on each other and encouraged each other. But man, I wanted to do so much more in you and through you, but you just didn't believe. I, in heaven, I, I probably won't be heartbroken, but man, thinking about it now sure breaks my heart. So listen, I want to ask us today. To ask, seek, and knock. And believe. I don't know what your asking, seeking, and knocking time with God looks like. How much time you're spending with Him. I hope that every day, and we talk about this consistently, that we're spending time in the Word of God. We're not going to know the will of God any more than we know the Word of God. So we need to know the Word of God. But we also need to be setting aside that time where we are in relationship with our Father. By listening and speaking through prayer. And part of our part of speaking is to ask, seek, and knock. And I want us to increase that time for 10 days minimum. Whatever time that is, I want us to double it. Ask, seek, and knock for the Spirit of God to fill you personally, to fill our church, our faith family. And that he would use us to maximum capacity. Now if your time is already at a zero. And you hear me say double it. You're really good at math. You're like hey. Zero times anything. Zero. We, let's not double zero. Okay. Let's find some sort of healthy minimum. Of at least ten minutes. Now that's, that's elementary dear Watson. We need to be doing more than 10 minutes a day. But if that's your first step, start there. But maybe you're at 10 now, go to 20. You're at 20 now, go to 40. 
you've already given 30 minutes a day to prayer. Go an hour. You persistent? You determined? Are you going to be apathetic? You serious about this? Then let's be serious about this and ask that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit personally and as a faith family. And let's watch what the Lord does. You know, we've picked up some momentum the last couple of weeks. I know we've got a lot of people out today, and that's, that's just the natural calendar and vibe that happens. But God's up to something. And we can't bail now. We've got to dig in and be persistent and be determined in our prayer life for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You with me? So today, we're going to do that even now. We're going to set aside some time to pray. And then next week, all Sunday morning, we're going to do our concert of prayer, which is when we, we interweave musical worship, time in the word, and prayer is one of my favorite things we do. And we're going to do that together next week as well in a more intense time. But I want to begin that process this morning. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to pray. Now next week I'm going to give you a better guide and, and freedom through that. But right now, in your own words, I want you to pray. And begin your persistent asking, seeking, knocking. I don't think this is organ recital time either. And there, there are some serious prayer requests. It's not bad to pray for people that are sick. It's not bad to pray for people that are unhealthy. Don't mishear me. We want, but we're, what we're praying right now is that the Holy Spirit would overflow in our lives. That we would have a filling of the Spirit. Now, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you first need the Spirit of God and what we would call an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so if you've never asked God to come in your life, forgive you of your sins, do that now. Give your life to God. And that's by believing in Jesus that he died for you as the Son of God and rose again and can forgive you of all your sins and is the only way to the Father. And if you've never done that, would you do that this morning? And just ask it. You could say it in your own words. I believe. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. I'm not perfect. And so forgive me. Jesus, come in. I believe now. I don't know everything, but in the best way that I know how, I commit to follow you. I'm in. I'm in. I believe. Please forgive me. Take over. Be my boss. That's what you pray. Now, if you are a believer, and maybe you feel spirit-less and not spirit-filled, let's begin. Let's pray today. I'm going to be quiet. Michael will play, and then eventually he'll start singing too. And you just pray. And if at some point you want to join by singing, do that. If it's to be in some scripture time, do that. If it's to get on your knees and beg the Lord because you're serious about this, do that. If it's to make this front like an altar, that you're laying something down to him, your life as a living sacrifice, do that. But today, ask, seek, and knock. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us, or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you, or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.